0: Hello to all of our lovely listeners. My name is Nicole and my name is Alex and And welcome welcome to the Prickly Prickly Pear podcast. Podcast. Join us for a dive into the savory, sweet and spicy Sonoran Southwest flavor Tucson has to offer. Dude, nice
1: on the tongue twister. I am out of breath. (laughs) So you're probably wondering who the heck we are. So to everyone listening, we are two journalists who report for the Tucson Weekly.
0: We are also two women who have a deep and devout interest in all cuisine, or maybe I'm just speaking
1: for myself here, Alex. Uh, no, no, girl, I love food too. Um, I was actually born in Louisiana, so I have Cajun roots, but I've been living in Arizona for about 10 years now, so I love all things spicy.
0: Well, I am just an Italian who has family trauma going generations <laughs> upon generations revolving around food. Delicious trauma, though.
1: <laughs> Absolutely true. So, we wanted to create a podcast highlighting the amazing food we have here in Tucson, Arizona. Now, Nicole, did you happen to know that Tucson is a UNESCO city of gastronomy?
0: Wow, Alex, I am shook. I was completely unaware of Tucson's credentials when it comes to gastronomy.
1: (laughs) Completely unaware. (laughs) So, on December 15th in 2015, Tucson became the first UNESCO city of gastronomy in the United States. And for those who don't know, UNESCO stands for the United Nations Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization. Now, this is mainly because Tucson's location is at a crossroads of cultures. I mean, girl, we have Native American, Mexican, Mediterranean, and ranch-style food traditions Mm -hmm. all in one place. You know, but anyways, this is a podcast about food and the people who make it. So, Nicole, can you tell us about our first guest I would love to. So
0: Roderick Ledesma is the executive sous chef de cuisine at PY Steakhouse. In 2018, he won the Knife Fight, which is Southern Arizona's only skill-based cooking competition. Mm -hmm. In 2020, he was named Best Chef in Arizona out of 3,000 nominations. I personally have had the honor of working with him when I was serving back in my day. Um, I can definitely say that I've never been upset with one of his dishes and I feel they have only worked to prepare
1: me for the bullshit that serving entails. Amen to that girlfriend. Um, Not only that, but not only is he like a great chef, but he's also very personable and I I feel like you can definitely hear that um, in our interview. So stay tuned for the interview y'all, but also stick around for bonus content of Rod sharing his recipe that literally anybody can make at home i mean what it took us like five or ten minutes to make these exactly. dishes together exactly. um very accessible so we hope you enjoy and let's get into this interview Delicious. and what is the knife fight can you describe what that is I'm, I'm we tie something. one
2: hand behind our back and we try and <laughs> no
1: no, <laughs> no. What? there's no, no. way. You, you, you made, for everybody listening, you made like a stabbing motion. Do you try to like stab? Someone no, so a, it out. starts
2: with 16 chefs and it's like a turn, like bracket style. So each week or when they do it, it's um, you get 45 minutes and each chef brings a secret ingredient and the hosting restaurant is a secret ingredient. So it's three separate dishes, one for each ingredient, 45 minutes. And you get to go whatever the hosting restaurant is and go search through their pantry, walk in all that to try and find ingredients and in, and come up with it. That
1: sounds so, awesome. That's yeah, cool. it's really
2: fun. Uh <laughs> when they do it. It's, like, it's open to public. Anybody can go like they just post wherever they're gonna be for that that week. But yeah, I won that. Um I got it was a recruiting company, like a, a hospitality recruiting company called Industry. But I got um voted best chef A Z from them and then i i did do tucson iron chef as a sous chef twice oh, awesome. but and we won both years it was with danny perez cool.
1: who's uh, danny do you know
2: danny? danny he's um he's actually uh working on opening up the the restaurant down here the monica oh cool which be soon, yeah. oh, but he was so at the time it was when i was at jw at star pass and he was the executive chef at star pass when we did it
1: super cool. So you've done a lot of things. Try to, yeah. <laughs> um, well, why don't you go ahead and get started? How do you so Wait, how do you know Rod? Can you tell me that story? Yes.
0: So, this is what I remember. So, I remember running from school off of no food all day, running to come into work and then getting there, putting on my freaking tie, putting it on, all that kind of stuff, and then just waiting for you to bring out a dish for all the service to try of what was on. <laughs> um what was on the specials menu yeah yeah rod would always bring out like just this like beautiful dish that he made with the locally sourced food what was going to be on the specials list and he'd be telling everyone about it it was just like super professional super amazing and then here i am in the back just like waiting for everyone to like leave so I can just eat the whole dish and I didn't care about anybody else but myself and I just want to say that it meant a lot to me because I was well fed
2: oh no problem glad you glad I got you fueled up for the shift
0: yeah it was I don't know core memories for me (laughs) core core memories (laughs) and it was it was thanks thanks to you so
1: yeah well now I want to know a little background about you um so where are you from exactly are you from AZ?
2: Oh, uh, yeah, I'm from Arizona. Um, I was born in, like, Chandler. I was born in Chandler, but I grew up in the Gilbert uh, area. Then I moved uh, down to Tucson in 2009. But, I mean, I always liked cooking. Like, even from a young age, my mom taught me how to cook when I was really, really young. I remember, like, I would sit on the counter, and the first thing she taught me to make was chocolate chip cookies. That's why I have a chocolate chip cookie. It's like, oh, yes. the first thing my mom taught me how to make i sit up there and we did that. And then like most, like, I mean, I still watch cartoons, but like, you know, most kids like Saturday morning cartoons and all that I was, this is before like food network and all that it was like PBS. And it was the old cooking shows like, yeah, I can't cook or galloping gourmet, uh, Julia child. I would just sit there and watch old cooking shows. And my mom got cooking magazines. I would just read those all the time. I was always was interested in cooking. Um, and what Pork. was
1: it about cooking that like drew you to it? Was it the creation, like the process, or the finished product? Was there something about that, that just brought you to it?
2: I don't know. It was everything. I mean, it was probably like you know, just because one is like you know, positive memory. Like you know, with my mom like we were cooking together, and I just thought it was fun. I mean, and then you know, you're a kid and you get to eat like cookie dough and shit like that. Like, <laughs> of course, it's great. Like, who doesn't love food? Like, I don't. That's I feel right. like how could you not appreciate? food it's just one of the best things in life Amen. but then just watching the cooking shows too like i was just like captivated by like them cutting stuff like how fast they were like using knives and everything i was just blown away so i just always was just so interested in it after i just like i went to um went to college i went to u of a i was a year shy of getting my bachelor's uh it was my junior year summer between junior and she- senior year and i I was going to U of A because I was like, that's what you're supposed to do. Like, God, I'm God, supposed to go to college, and that's like the rule type thing. What
1: were well, you getting your then,
2: bachelor's in? Uh, psychology. Okay. And then I was like, I was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Like, I, I was a summer between, I said, junior and senior year, and I was home for a break, and I watched Ratatouille, and I was like, fuck this. All, all I want to do is cook. Oh, sorry, if I say that. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, yes, right. absolutely. I actually, uh,
0: I was, I was gonna uh, ask you about that. Yeah.
2: Uh, and I was like, no, I was like, all I want to do is cook. I was like, I'm done. Screw it. Like, so I dropped out and went to culinary school instead. Um, and then I started working. Well, I always worked in the restaurant, like even high school. Like it was like typical high school job, like busing host, like dishwasher, stuff like that. Then I started working in and out, worked in and out for a while. But then I started working at Primo at JW Star Pass while I was going to school at the same time. And then I kind of moved my... Through there, and if you haven't heard, Primo, the chef is and like owner of uh, Primo is Melissa Kelly, and mm-hmm. she's been nominated and won multiple James Beard Awards, and she's just all around in- incredible and like a huge, huge mentor of mine. But she asked me to go up to Maine, cause that's where the original location is in Rockland, Maine. So I moved to Maine, worked up at Primo there, and then after a year there, I came back and took over as a chef at Primo at Star Pass. Awesome, awesome. And then and- obviously from there. Went to PY Casa Casino del Sol, and now executive to Casino del Sol. Awesome.
0: So what's the appeal to Tucson? Why stay in Tucson? I mean, you went to Maine. You came back. What's the appeal?
2: Uh, Well, so originally why I came to Tucson was for U of A because we were just – we grew up U of A fans, so I was like, oh, we got to go to U of A. And then I just – I mean, they have – they had a good psychology program. So so I came down here for that. I stayed because – I don't know. I didn't know where – else to go kind of when I went to culinary schools, I guess I could go back home or I could stay in Tucson. But at the time I was like, I don't want to move like back home, like, you know, and live with them parents again. Like now I'm in college, I'm free type mm-hmm. I was like, I'm not going moving home. So I stayed in Tucson now, like leaving and coming back Tucson is really, really unique. Like if, and you notice it more if you've like, when you leave or especially, or if you get to travel a lot, you can see like a lot of culture, a lot, like a lot of places where people live, but Oh, Tucson just kind of unique. The food scene here is like all the chefs, and everyone's like really collaborative. Everyone gets along really well. And there's a really kind of tight knit culinary community here, which mm-hmm. is, which is nice. Um, there's another thing that I uh, do. It's called Gastronomic Union Tucson. And it started as just a, it just a bunch of chefs that got together and really kind of just started as like a more of a drinking and bullshitting club. So we just get together, <laughs> and hang out and drink and talk and then progressed into doing, you know. Things for charity and donations and running these, uh, dinner series during the summer. And it's like a collaborative thing. Everyone comes up and makes teams and does a menu and it's just, it's a lot of fun and it's just a cool kind of food culture yeah. here, Yeah, I think.
1: And is there any way for listeners, do you want them to like follow anything about the gastronomy union that you guys have together or need like support or anything just in case you want to plug that?
2: Oh yeah. I mean the people want to check on follow. I mean, you could follow on, uh. Facebook and I think the yeah and Instagram it's Gastronomic Union of Tucson. Okay, awesome. And you can yeah follow when we whenever we start doing dinner series or stuff like that. You can check it out, see when they're when tickets are being posted, what the theme is, all that. It's a lot of fun.
0: So we need to go back here. All right. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> Ratatouille, fucking phenomenal. I love Ratatouille. And you said, I watched Ratatouille and I was like, fuck it, I'm leaving the U of A. And I'm going to begin my career as a chef. Please walk me through that a little bit more.
2: It was just, it was so, I don't know. It was, it was just inspiring. It's a Pixar movie. They're uplifting and they hit your soul. And that one, it was always what I wanted to do. Even like say, when I was at U of A, I lived like in student, like in the uh, student apartments when I would always just cook for my roommates all the time. I was always just making something and just cooking. I was always...
1: Oh, I bet your roommates are having so- the
2: best time of their lives. <laughs> yeah, yeah like make stuff all the time. Like, even like drinks. Like, I was trying to make drinks, not just like the typical college college drinks, where it's just you know you throw a Flesh bunch of juice. Yeah, throw a bunch <laughs> of juice. I mean, I was still in college. I'm not I was still getting the the plastic bottles, but mm-hmm. um, but I was still like trying to like. Play with like the drinks a little more and make them better, or or but yeah, they were eating all the time because I was always making something, and yeah. yeah, then I watched and I was like watching a movie and it's just the whole thing, like you know, it's a little mouse. A mouse can cook. I can cook.
0: Linguini, <laughs> totally. Okay, follow up question: Is there a specific quote or scene that resonates with you the most?
2: I one well, of the ones I remember the most distinct is when he's like first trying stuff and he's trying to get Remi his brother to try things so it has like a bite of this and a bite of that and like the fireworks go off you know he's like try this one by itself try this one and then try the it together
1: and yes. yeah and then,
2: and then everything goes and i was like yeah and it was like i don't know i think that one's it because it is like separate something like they might be good separate or but when you just learn flavor profiles and learn how things work together it's like it's exciting
1: exactly it's almost like right. how your brain reacts to the flavor yeah. that's what i always saw that scene as is like my brain when i eat that first bite of brie cheese is like it's chilling it's kind of nutty and then you have the grape and it's a completely different flavor that takes you on a whole other experience um i always thought too that that scene was secretly in my brain i was like that's also kind of like drugs but food for me is drugs oh it yeah it totally oh, is
2: and some it's so of good. <laughs> some things like not hit the same like chemical reaction as yeah. drugs <laughs>
1: Um, but, so I also wanted to ask, can you describe your relationship with food? Getting more into that side of you, like what, like I always, when I think of food, I always go, go back to comfort just because, um, so I'm from Louisiana and I have a lot of Cajun roots. And whenever I have Cajun food, like it always brings me back home. Like what kind of relationship do you have with food and are specific? are there specific things that inspire you?
2: or um that you always go towards to have um i don't i don't know if there's any 100 specific because i feel like it just food in general is probably like seeing something new trying like just new things i don't like really being comfortable i guess i think being in a comfort zone is not a good thing because then you don't develop or push yourself anymore but i just get excited when i see things i've never had before or i haven't seen before um i know you're saying like that you get like that comfort feeling from like cajun food or stuff like that um it's kind of mixed like because there's my mom um said so cooked a lot and she mostly italian because my mom's italian uh my dad's mexican but it was mostly italian food growing up so that always is kind of like the the like kind of warm comfort like getting like her lip like my mom's on here specifically on mom's meatballs because i don't no, what it is it's those are the best meatballs <laughs> because yeah. it's because it's those are the ones that i had growing up those are the ones that like you know hit that spot like a part of wow. your brain you're just like oh. this is this, this is, is right it. it doesn't matter what i do i can't make them as well like i don't care if i get better ingredients i um have better technique whatever it is it's just those are the ones that are comforting That's
0: yeah such a
1: start heading into our bonus content section of this episode where rod's going to share some pretty easy recipes for us to do at home very accessible
0: absolutely i am excited
1: for you all to hear the delicious recipes that he'd shared yeah i hope you guys it ooh, it would be fun if people who are listening if you end up trying your the recipes that rod shares with us please tag us on in instagram um, we'll have our instagram in the show notes
2: Mm-hmm. Nice. Mm-hmm.
1: All right. Can you tell me the um, ingredients you're using today?
2: Alright, so I'm making two different pastas. I've got, first I'm doing is just spaghetti aglio yolio olio. Mm. And that all it is, is very thinly shaved garlic, chili flake, um, Parsley and obviously olive oil. Mm -hmm. And the other one is going to be cacio y pepe. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that's Parmigiano Reggiano and cracked pepper. Yeah, I make this. I don't play them. It's so easy. Like it's three ingredients. Yeah. (laughs) It's so simple to make, but it's so delicious. The point of them is to be simple dishes. Yeah. So you don't really want to add too much. We do have a little. the restaurant, there, Bellissimo. we do have another um, kind of take on the cacio e pepe, it's cacio e chiltepine, so instead of the black pepper we still have black pepper in it but we also add chiltepine so something like that is, is or like, the same thing even with the the aglio e olio you could have say, do chiltepine instead of the chili flake the crushed pepper chili flake um, really anything and you don't need a mandolin, like if you, <laughs> and, you know, you, you a knife, it's just the mandolin's more consistent.
1: And so why kind of have shavings instead of, like, minced garlic, for example?
2: Um, it's, it's weird, but, like, the way you cut garlic kind of makes it taste different. I don't know, in a sense, like, this this one, it's more consistent, like, the slices, so it's nice, thin.
1: Mm-hmm. You want the pan not too hot? Yeah, you want the pan not
2: too hot because... You're just gonna burn the garlic that's sliced. Okay. Just so thin. in. Turn it low. Just kind of gently kind of toast that garlic.
1: Gently toast. I'm a garlic girl. Me too.
0: My sweat smells like garlic. <laughs>
2: We're gonna use the fresh spaghetti that we have at Bellissimo mm. that they make there, but that's amazing. Like you can obviously get dry spaghetti if you want, but if there's a place that you have to get fresh spaghetti by all means, or fresh pasta in general. By all means use the fresh pasta. Right. But there's still plenty of like good dry dry pastas you can get out there in like, the store. Don't quote me on which ones, but I don't know <laughs> Off-hand. I see them and I'm like, I know that's the one. I remember by, remember by the colors. <laughs>
1: Same. Not the brand name. How long do you let the garlic kind of sizzle there on the low heat?
2: Uh, You're just trying to wait until it gets a little bit. You kind of see how it's getting a little golden, like right around the edges, Okay. Like that one. Just trying to like get it, all of them to start getting just a little bit golden on the edges. All the heat going to add in. And Yep, a little bit's going to have water. But it's going to splatter them the water and oil. But... And so, do you want
1: some of that water to get
2: in there? To kind of add yeah. texture? Yeah, so water is part of the sauce. Okay. Um, it definitely adds a little bit of part of the sauce. Of mm-hmm. And you want to cook, as a general rule, you kind of want to cook your pasta. Three quarters of the way ish in the water, okay. and finish cooking in the in the pan. But you see, like that water kind of absorbed into it and cooked oh, yeah. very fast. And now it has like this nice, nice sauce that emulsifies with the olive oil.
1: cooking it in the pan for all together
2: Uh, just literally a bit so that whole thing took maybe five minutes yeah just toasting (laughs) then chili flake this and then uh voila all the garlic
1: in there and we're done oh my gosh literally what like 10 minutes all together prep included <laughs>
2: yeah like, prep and cook is probably 10 minutes total
1: yeah i love it the, anybody can make that yeah
2: the uh store store is probably the longest part yeah totally but most well, these are ingredients also that most people just have yeah flying around anyway like, we don't have fresh garlic in the house at all times anyway you're just killing it wrong <laughs> and then, i mean chili flake and, and parsley are pretty common Yeah. But I mean, if you want to use different herbs, it's easy. I mean, oregano would be great. Thyme would be good. Basil. Mm -hmm. Next one. Amazing. Picacho with pepe. Uh, I'm just throwing down a little butter, fresh cracked pepper. Lots, lots Lots of fresh cracked pepper. And this, you're just toasting it a little bit. Before you throw the pasta in. And now again, pasta water. Woo!
0: That's pasta. hot.
2: Throw some more on there. More water.
1: And so I noticed this one used the butter as opposed to the other one you used oils, right?
2: Yeah, so the Aglio e olio just means garlic and oil. Uh, okay, gotcha. But um, yeah, this one I use butter because butter makes everything better.
1: <laughs> I agree with that.
2: <laughs> and then, so it's a lot of the, a lot of fresh cracked pepper, salt, and then the freshly grated Parmigiano Reggiano.
0: Just a little bit. Just a little. Just a little, just
2: a little more. That yeah, is it.
1: Oh for oh, oh. this one. Amazing. Ew.
0: Ew. Do you usually roll your pasta like this for presentation?
2: Oh it's good too. I mean tweezers work really well. Actually these things. Oh, yeah. Uh carving fork work really well. Uh, or or tongs also, mm-hmm. but yeah, why why not? Let's add some more. Fun
1: There's always room for more right. cheese. Unless you're lactose <laughs> you gotta, Unless you're lactose.
2: Get the money shot. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Are there any um, flavors in Mexican cuisine that you like to kind of reinvent or... That inspire you to bring into
2: dishes. um I don't know, not necessarily just saying Mexican cuisine, but it's also very vague too. Again, if you say that about any, mm-hmm. if you say it's just Italian cuisine, but or just Mexican cuisine, because it's vastly different from if you start like Sonora and then go all the way like south, right. the cuisine is is incredibly different going from region to region. But it's the same, honestly, anywhere the United States, California, and and like west coast and east coast are honestly almost like different countries like really just the the (laughs) culture shock um and i'm sorry i totally got off track because i forgot what even the main question was no
1: um i was just wondering i guess maybe not mexican then i should say like southwestern are there any sort of like southwestern elements um that you try to use in your cooking now
2: um i mean yeah still like um there's a lot of or something that we've did a lot at um, PY was because we are, or Tucson itself is a a UNESCO designated city of gastronomy, but uh, PY Steakhouse is one of, on the list of one of the restaurant designated restaurants for the city. But one of the criteria that, you know, we do to hit that is by using a lot of indigenous ingredients or like techniques or things like that. So that's always a challenge to try and, incorporate that kind of stuff but that's one of the things like using you know whether it's different types of corn or nix to mulling um our own corn um or say like tepary beans or we go out and harvest prickly pear every year um, things like that so it keeps it challenging when you try and go like by like the seasonality of what's going to be mm-hmm. like in the area um but that's kind of that's how problem. i like. I don't know how I like cooking is going off like what's inside. Cause you can always, I mean, you can always order it. get anything anywhere. I mean, you can, it's not hard to get food here. Like, I mean, like you can get something overnight from, you know, Alaska. Like I can get, you know, halibut that's been in the water 48 hours before. Like it's not hard in like this day and age to get, to get product, but it makes it a little more challenging if it's, Closer and seasonal, Mm, like the area.
1: How is it challenging? Just because you're having to go like on the ground, figure it out yourself.
2: No, it's more like um, because it's not always gonna like it's not always there. Like it's Mm -hmm. because I mean if it's seasonal, you have it for a few months out of the year, and then it's done. So it's not one of those things that you technically should keep on the menu all the time because it's it's the best in say those. say three or four months, that's the best that product is going to be for the entire year. And then, yeah, you might be able to get it, but you can always tell when there's, like when something is in season, when it's not in season. Gotcha. Okay.
0: I think that's a challenging aspect of being a chef and preparing food that I don't think a lot of people think about is that you have to prepare yourself for change all the time. I mean, even working at PY, the menu was changing, you know, four times a year. Right, three to four times a year, and it's like me even just trying to memorize that that didn't happen.
1: So like I can't even
0: imagine preparing the food, having different ingredients, things that you might not be super familiar with. Um, So how is that process for you?
2: That's the most fun. I've worked at so when I worked at Primo, we would change the menu almost every day. Sometimes like it's constantly changing, Um and that's it makes it one it makes it a challenge, but it also makes it fun because you're always trying to figure out a use for something trying to come up with something like different or a new technique or a new way to use this, even though you might have used this ingredient already on a previous dish, how can you change it and make it used for, for something else? So yeah, it's a challenge because you're always trying to push yourself to create something different, but it's what makes it fun and interesting.
0: (laughs) follow-up question what about your personality or who you are as a person um, allows you to look at that as fun yeah I mean
2: I don't know honestly you have to be like a really special type of person I feel like to work in this industry are very specific I guess I say I'm a special mm-hmm. specific type of person or personality to work in this industry because it is like it's hard and it's just there's something like inside like almost any chef i feel like you talk to or someone that's like really passionate into it all kind of has the same thing like we don't exactly know why but we all have like the same kind of like it's just what excites us it's like a part of us i can do something else but i couldn't like i could only be a chef like that's saying like yeah i could do something and go work somewhere but i'm like in my soul like i'm a chef that's like all i feel like i could do I would say, but I feel like most, almost like most, like really passionate chefs are like that. Like you can't, like it's just something that is like I don't know. Just it's just like something about it like inspires you and and makes you like, oh, This is all I want to do. This is all that, like you, we can do, type of thing.
1: Do you ever feel too with with having that kind of passion and fire? Does that all ever? Like tire you out. I mean, it's such. It seems like such a hard job to do twenty four seven. You're always on. Um, Are there ways that help you gain energy, or is that just you just
2: a lot of espresso? A Lot (laughs) of espresso. (laughs) More caffeine than I probably should consume, (laughs) but I mean, I mean, it is hard. It's tiring, but uh, of course, everyone has days or goes through periods. I mean, this whole industry has been been rocked because of COVID and it's all been it's all been tough and it gets some days are just really exhausting really wear you down and are wondering like how can you still do this but then you think I still couldn't want to do anything else.
1: Absolutely And, and while you're mentioning COVID I'm just interested um have you seen a shift at all in the way that you your relationship with customers has been through COVID has it become I've heard from a lot of people um, in different parts of the service industry, that say that people are more patient, which is kind of a nice thing. But I don't know what is your experience, Ben.
2: It's I think it's all, it's all around. It depends. I feel like one on the restaurant you're at, the, the, and like the clientele or the demographic that it that it hits. There's always going to be ups and downs. I, there's definitely some people that are, that do understand and are are more patient. And I think a lot, definitely a lot of them have probably worked in industry or work in the food and beverage industry still or hospitality industry. And then like it always has been, there's people that aren't patient at all. And you know, total buzzkill for the day, but <laughs> it's not, it's never going to change. It's always, I think it always has been like that. I think maybe now it's kind of went extreme to the both, like both ways. Some, some are real bad and some are just real nice. Mm.
0: I think the thing is too that people don't realize is that like working in the casino, your clientele isn't just people that are coming to eat. They're doing a lot of other things, so you're not gonna just get people that are coming to um, dine and necessarily just enjoy um, food. So it definitely, I feel like, is a mixture of clientele. Like Rod said, mm-hmm. oh
2: yeah, definitely. There's because I must say there's a lot more than just than just restaurants that like out there. There's Obviously, there's gaming, but there's always something. There's always something going on there, whether it's concerts. And like some people are, when concert season starts up, there's people that are going there just for the concert. They're not, you know, deciding like, oh, I'm gonna go, like going out there to go eat. They're like, I'm gonna go to the concert. Well, I'm here. I'm hungry. I'm just gonna go eat before the concert, real quick, type of thing. But yeah, there's that. That's also something that else keeps it exciting or interesting. There's always something going on there.
0: That does sound really there's
2: a fun. lot. There's a lot going on all the time.
0: Well, I think that's something to definitely credit you for, like, because, I mean, if you don't understand your clientele, you don't necessarily know your clientele, you're on your toes. Like, you never know what mm-hmm. someone's going to, you know, say, what they're going to feel, what they're going to do. Or,
2: oh, yeah, no, you're definitely, you yeah, you're definitely right. It's, yeah, it's, a, it's always a guessing. You never know what you're going to get.
1: Kind of jumping off of that, <laughs> I think this would be a good lead into a question I have, like, what what are some aspects of your job that you wish people understood?
2: Uh. How much, well, one is just how hard everybody in this industry works in general. Like it's a lot of long hours and, and things like that. But like, something I think people, I would like people or would like people to understand is how, like how much work goes into getting something like on your plate. Like it's not just opening a package and, and heating it up and, and like you guys get it. There's like, there's a lot of. A lot of passion, a lot of love, a lot of effort that goes into making making these things and saying not it's not just like me, it's everybody. It's a whole it's like industry wide. People people like work hard. Cooks, chefs, serve everybody. They we're all working really hard and we're all really trying. And nobody can be perfect. Like obviously there's gonna be mistakes and stuff, but you know But
1: who's I ever wish, been
2: perfect? Yeah, like I wish, you know, I definitely wish people understood how much effort goes into that to really appreciate like what they're eating and what they're getting and it's not again it's not even just in the restaurant it extends all the way out to the farmers and ranchers and everyone doing that like there's a lot of work mm-hmm. and a lot of love and like blood sweat and tears that goes into getting that lettuce that goes into your salad like, and
1: you mentioned ranchers i was wondering do you all do you have any contact with local ranchers here in tucson um, I know we have a big ranching community throughout Southern Arizona, so I was just wondering.
2: Uh, there's, I know some, and I, I probably know more farmers, mm-hmm. I say, than the ranchers. But there's, yeah, I think there's there's a lot, and I've been, been fortunate enough to develop relationships with, uh, you know, some of them over the years. Um, going to, I don't know if you ever gone to the farmers markets, the ones at Rito where there's St. Phyllis. So if you go to the farmers market, it's a great way to. Honestly, for anyone to go, like, meet your local farmer, see, talk to them, see what kind of stuff they have. And, like, the quality that you're going to, a uh, product that you're going to get there is is really, like, awesome. It's really, really great. And it's a lot different than what you're going to get, like, in the pre-package, like, produce mixes or whatever at the, at like you know, normal grocery store.
1: Absolutely. Same thing with meat, too. Like, meat is on such... It's so high at the grocery store meanwhile if you got it directly from a rancher or like meat production uh, locally it would be so much cheaper like I think it's that I was just listening to a story about this like a week ago or something but just how meat has gone up in pricing has just been insane at the grocery store
2: Oh yeah I mean price of everything has gone up but it also goes there's more, goes to like, there's more steps to getting it to a grocery store than if say like you went to a farmer's market or like a local butcher or something and got it like right from like almost like the source versus all the other like steps, the the shipping and and transportation of whatever, all the, everything else to get to the, to get it from where it started to a store. There's a lot, yeah, there's a lot more steps, so which means a lot more a added cost, yes. yeah.
0: Do you think it's possible for Tucson, a lot of restaurants in Tucson to just locally source um, food? Do you think that's a possibility for a lot more restaurants to be able to do that? I know PY does that.
2: There's, um, there are yeah. a, a lot of restaurants in town that use that use local product and do a lot of um, local sourcing. To be 100% like reliant on just a like local farm or local... Um, meat what have you like when anything like just completely strictly local it is very very difficult there are restaurants that do that and it's it's a huge undertaking and it's a lot of work like if they're if you stick to 100 percent local and especially if you're saying 100 percent local 100 percent, like you know from scratch kitchen mm-hmm. it's a it's a lot a lot of work and you have to be extremely creative you have to have really strong relationships with those farmers, ranchers, um, all local type purveyors. So I'll make it work. It's an undertaking, and it's very impressive. I feel like for places that, that do that.
1: Absolutely, it's like ten more <laughs> steps to the already twenty steps it takes mm-hmm. to create mm-hmm. a dish. Besides this process,
0: what else gets you through the day, than being able to like you know meet a form standard or. Able, being able to provide these visually appealing dishes—I mean, it's a, it is such a daunting task. I think that's something that we're definitely all like able to relate on. It's you're standing on your feet for, hours. you know, eight to ten hours, even just like during the time the restaurant's open. Not like let alone all the other hours that you are having to stand on your
1: feet. And
0: what else allows you to do this
1: other than espresso?
0: Other? Uh, than- I'm gonna throw my espresso into <laughs> the out there
2: <laughs> Say a lot of. A lot of that, Uh, it's, I I probably am going to like, just be like repeating myself or something I've said earlier, I'm sure some like iteration of it, but it's, it's just kind of what drives, like, if you're like a chef or in this in this industry, it kind of like just what drives you is just, is just the food and making, being creative, having, even still the relationship with the staff, you know, having one person can totally throw off a whole day, like, you know, if someone's in like a real, real bad mood, it kind of throws off the whole, the whole vibe of everybody because they, it, I don't know, everyone's so tightly knit and around to it all the time that everybody's, everybody's mood kind of affects the whole general mood of the entire place. But just, I don't know, just cooking and like, even so, like the rush of like getting through like the, the busy time of the night and everything kind of just keeps you keeps you going.
0: I was just curious to know how has working your way up the chain in the food industry changed the way that you view your production and your success.
2: Wait wait. So like production
0: like producing your dishes and like oh, gotcha. your success
2: as a chef. It I mean it's one of those things that you're constantly learning so every like you're moving up or, and I just like moving up because it doesn't have to be like moving up positions. It's like moving up in in terms of just how much more you learn. Like, you know, you have the dreaded dreaded Facebook memories that pop back up and I see like dishes that I did when I was first starting to cook or then I thought I was like such a badass. I was like, God, when I make it, I was like so proud and look at it. And now I'm like, oh my God, that is horrible. It's embarrassing, but...
0: Damn technology. Damn technology. I know,
2: but same time, it's good because if I didn't make that bullshit before i wouldn't have learned how to make it better like at the time you, know, you think it's good but then you have your mentors or other chefs or even your like fellow like cooks at the time when you're when you're making something everybody can throw input in you might think you have something really great and then like now this is this is stupid like don't don't fucking do this and but like i say everything's all learning experience and then the way it shift, i guess like changing you know like like my role going from like working a cook to becoming sous chef or chef and now executive sous chef, like it's, it changes the way you, the way you make a dish or look at a dish because the more, I guess, responsibility, the more you kind of see, it, it gives you a broader aspect of everything it. Like I said, when you're a cook and let's say like when I was a cook and the chef I'd be like, rocking up with a special. All I'm thinking about is, you know, Oh, what kind of, like how can I make something really cool or or what ingredients someone playing, like I had to play with. And while that mentality is still there, like, you know, what, how can I change this or what fun stuff do we get to play with? You still, you think about it in a broader, a broader aspect. Like then you start think, going into terms of, can this actually be feasible to put on a menu? Is the labor gonna, like the staffing is it are they gonna be able to pull it off? Like how much labor is it gonna take to make this item? Is, is it even worth putting on a menu? Is it gonna be too complicated? Mm-hmm. What are the costs associated with it as well? So there's a lot more thought that goes into, I think, making like a dish or making a menu once you have a broader understanding of it and you're not just like, I want to cook and have fun because that's still a huge part of it. But the more you see, the more you kind of start realizing how much more you have to realize than just oh, make something that tastes good.
0: There's also definitely a pattern of calm in the chaos and i don't want to say that it's because you might have italian (laughs) roots but i am going to say it anyways (laughs) where do you think where do you think that comes from
2: um i don't know that's maybe maybe that's part of it i don't know it's funny you said that too because that's like this tattoo up here it's all the way it's organized chaos so this side's like a kitchen this side's a kitchen it's all clean and then this side's all like chaos and on fire oh and God. everything
0: it's definitely so the a... italian and mexican roots together i mean it's like <laughs> i really i mean i don't know <laughs>
2: that's it I mean, I like, yeah it might it might be but i don't know i think <laughs> yeah, it's the kitchen's organized chaos yeah
0: totally. that's awesome. and i want to know what does the future entail for you what are your dreams what is that thing that you don't want to say out loud
2: I've always like one of the things that I've always said, like one of my goals or one of the things is getting a James Beard award or at least nomination. Uh, would be cool. I mean, for the longest time, my whole life, I was always like, Oh, I want to open my own restaurant. And now that I know so many people that own their own restaurants, I'm like, "I don't know if I want to open my own restaurant. Cause that's, that's a lot. It's not necessarily cause like, Oh, I don't want to work hard, but it's, it's, just, I don't know. It's an intimidating thing. It's a scary undertaking.
0: Why?
2: Uh, why is that? I was it just literally just because, <laughs> uh, how like how much pressure and stress and everything that goes into it and you know i really don't know And i'm gonna backtrack on this too because now that even though i'm thinking about it it's like you know my own place would be really cool yeah it would be really awesome yeah,
1: it would be totally yeah. um would you be able to tell people who are listening what the james beard uh, award is or like the nominations can you tell them that
2: um i guess like a, if you're not familiar with their in 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 the industry it easy kind of way to think about. It. It's kind of like, it's like the Oscars of cooking in a sense. Um, so it's, uh, it's a bunch of, where there's tons of, there's a bunch of categories. I mean, there's best, there's best chef, best upcoming chef, restaurants, uh, it goes, uh, like Baker, it goes even down to service or ambiance, things like that. Um, but they're, they're peer nominated awards for say for chefs in the in the industry and just it's a it's a pretty big recognition and and achievement and it's did you 20... say it
1: was nationally like the united states yes so
2: yeah nationally awesome.
0: so they only give it to people that own their own restaurants or is it for people that chefs that don't own their own restaurants is it is it like for usually for a specific demographic would you say uh
2: to be honest i don't really i don't honestly know like of all the of all the categories i know a lot of them that do probably do on their own restaurants Mm -hmm. um but i know there's there's some some restaurants that have been nominated before that that are like in resorts or or things like that so it's it's not i don't think you have to have your own restaurant
1: well i hope that you get a james beard award or <laughs> nomination you. soon yeah um and where can people find you what things do you want to plug for the episode at the end here we so appreciate you coming on and doing this for our first episode oh, get of that course instagram not. Thank, handle yeah. on there yeah.
2: oh, thanks for having me it was it was fun I, yeah definitely follow me on instagram it's just chef underscore roderick underscore ledesma it's pretty easy um and that's really the main one i tried the tiktok Thing, but I'm not. I wasn't very good at it. So. No,
0: it's a lot of work? It's a lot, it's, of work. it's a lot of work.
2: It's a lot. Like to make like quality videos is that's like a full time job.
0: I just would want to see like TikToks of you dancing with like a dish in your hands. Just, just a, so little, a little quick one, like little shimmy, like a little shoulder push. Yes, yeah,
2: maybe I'll change the the TikTok cooking. Exactly. That's
0: the content people want to see. Yeah.
1: so much for bringing Rod onto this podcast, especially for our first episode. I really enjoyed that interview, and I also really liked hearing the backstory behind his tattoo sleeve um, and the specific tattoos he has in there, and I think it's cool that it ended up being parts of his life that are connected to cooking and the culinary arts, and I thought that was really sweet and really cute to have that side on our interview. Um, How did you like it? How did you enjoy it? I just think he's
0: so great. I mean, isn't he so great? It's like, he's just (laughs) this ball of just good energy you know he's exactly. so cool and just chill but he has so much to talk about because he's been in the restaurant industry
1: and that's such a necessary for so personality
0: for that job too i feel like, like oh he's yeah. so level-headed oh yeah no yeah he's great i i'm so glad that he was our first interviewee and i think he's really setting us off for a good season so Absolutely. shout out to roderick
1: <laughs> i agree and To everybody listening, thank you so much for coming to the podcast and taking a listen. And thanks to Rod for coming on the first episode of the Prickly Pear Podcast. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, We'll have information in the show notes of this episode to help you find Rod on Instagram and the restaurants he runs. Um, You can also find us at Prickly Pear Podcast on Instagram, and pear is spelled P-A-I-R. You can follow me, Alex, on Twitter at Press. Um, and you can also find a version of Rod's recipes that he shared with us in this episode on tucsonweekly.com and our Instagram. Um, this episode was produced by Nicole and myself, music by Devin Coppas. and, you know, I just want to add that I'm actually really excited about our next episode, um, and Nicole, you got us an amazing guest, uh, really, honestly, like a local advocate here in Tucson for local sourcing, so we're just finishing up those edits, and it'll be out in about uh, two weeks. Yes, be sure to join us next time for more information about
0: local sourcing in Tucson with Don Guerra, yes. owner of famous and award-winning Barrio Bread, Ooh. co-owner of Barrio Charo, and partner of the new restaurant, The Monica Downtown. Yes. And I just want to give a little shout-out to everyone at PY. Yes. Um, love you all. Bye. Bye.